this morning, a new thought for all of us, and it'll be very important for you. I'm going to entitle it, The Lordship of Jesus. The Lordship of Jesus. What's more important than the Lordship of Jesus? Well, you can do this, and you can be good that, and you can go here, and you can not do that, that you're not supposed to, but actually, it all lines up, the whole kingdom lines up to the Lordship of Jesus. I love that song we sang. It's an old hymn that's been remastered. Uh, Crown him Lord of all. Yay. So we'll be singing that again. Hallelujah. So if you would turn in your Bible with me to Matthew chapter 11. Praise God. I want to lift up the Lord Jesus, who is the Lord of all and who is worthy to be praised. Let me ask you a question before we go. We always start with a question, and that would be this. How is your I'm doing life my way done for you lately? How is anybody's I'm doing life my way doing for you lately? I noticed that in the Bible, as you do, that Jesus entrusted and discipled men that were not born again. The disciples were not born again, were they? Jesus hadn't paid the price for them, so they weren't born again. They were not spirit-filled, didn't make it. Uh, they were not filled with the love of God that Romans says is that, we are sh- it, that is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. They did not have the love of God. As a matter of fact, one time Peter said, Lord, how many times should we forgive somebody that transgresses us? Seven? And the Lord said, no, I say not seven, but 70 times seven. And he was talking prophetically about being filled with the love of God where we can do that. But Peter could not because he was not a born-again man yet. In Romans chapter 10, don't go there, but in verse 9, you know this, it says, if thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Let's say that together, the Lord Jesus. So getting born again, receiving salvation is not just saying, well, you know, I don't want to miss hell. I, I think there's a better way. I want to be safe. I want to be on the good side. The Bible says the way to get saved is to confess the Lord Jesus, and that if you'd believe in your heart and say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, thou shalt be saved. So we are all endeavoring in, in, in making progress in making Jesus Lord of our life. There's nothing else. You could do better, but it wouldn't be better unless Jesus is Lord. You could do worse, but it wouldn't matter if Jesus is Lord. We've all messed up. That's where you nod your head. Yes, yes, we have. Hallelujah. So, uh, uh, but, but you've got to ask this question. Why is it such a challenge for the born-again man of God, the born-again woman of God, how is it so hard for us, difficult, challenging, to live days of heaven on earth? We've got everything. The faith of God is in us. The love of God is in us. We have the mind of Christ. We're healed, whole, and healthy. We're full, supplied, and wealthy. The Bible says we got it all. As he is, so are we in this world, 1 John says. So it's not like, well, someday we're going to get out of this trouble, this suffering, this hard life, and someday it'll be all glorious over there. That's true, but you don't have to wait. You can put on the glorious life now. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it till it overflows. So we're supposed to be living better than the world. I said, we're supposed to have a better life than the world. 
We, but actually, statistically, we get divorced at their rate. We go bankrupt at their rate. We are as sick as they are. We're not living the abundant life that Jesus said, I have come that you might have it. Look in Matthew chapter 11. Let's look in verse 28 and see how this comes to pass. We're talking about the lordship of Jesus. He said in verse 28, it's red letter. So he says, come unto me, all ye that labor. And that means grow weary, work hard. Uh, the word literally is also translated who are exhausted. Come unto me, all that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The word rest there is translated refreshed. Hallelujah. You know, we all need refreshing at times. Uh, we, just, we, we usually go on vacation, watch the mountains, watch the waves come in. But the real rest comes from Jesus. He said, take my yoke upon you upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So there he's talking about my yoke, he's talking about the new birth. Now it couldn't happen until he went to the cross, but he was prophesying my yoke is the new birth. And sure enough, as soon as he went to the cross, all the disciples got born again and filled with the Holy Ghost and everything like that. The verse 30 in the Amplified uh, says, For my yoke is easy, listen, useful, good, not harsh, not hard, not sharp, not pressing, but comfortable, gracious, and pleasant. We all ought to get born again. The whole world ought to get born again. What a deal. What a marvelous uh, challenge is to give up this old life that's exhausted and put on the rest of the Lord, put on the refreshing of the Lord and get born again. Hallelujah. Well, we don't have to do that. Now, you can be born again. You can be filled uh, with God and, and not take on his yoke, not take on his supply, not take on his discipleship, not take on his jurisdiction where you have power over devils, where you, where you can speak to the mountain and it'll move. You can do that, but it doesn't mean we'll do well. These things that the Lord said to do, after you get born again, he's got a whole other life for you, and that life is get in his yoke, become his disciple, become refreshed and rested, not like the world who are at, on Friday, they're toast. One time we had services on Thursday, and, every, and well, that didn't work because everybody's they are busted by Thursday night. They are tired. They are coming in limp. They're coming in. And then we had the service on Friday because Keith Moore did. Well, Keith Moore does it, but we didn't. Nobody's going to, they're all going to party hardy on Friday. They're not going to church. So here we are back to Wednesday. But in this, you can, not, you can, you can resist being a disciple you can tell the Lord, I don't want to read the Bible. I don't want to do good. I don't want to change my life. I don't want to do it your way. And he's not mad at anybody that does that. But there's a judgment that's built in to disobedience to go in the world's way. I said there's a judgment. Not from heaven. It's just that if you sow to the wind, you reap the whirlwind, so to speak. And so doing it God's way is the way to have rest. He said, take my yoke for it is easy. Don't take my yoke. And the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. So transgressor is not that you're a bad person. You're just not putting on the yoke of Jesus. Could you turn with me to 1 Peter? 1 Peter chapter 1. 
We're going to look at several scriptures this morning. Now our goal here at River Church, just so we'll all be stirred up about it, is to be strong. To be strong. The devil can't take us out because we're strong. People don't turn us inside out with their accusations and their honoriness and all the stuff that people are because we just are strong. Not strong in ourselves, but strong in the Lord and the power of his might. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, talks about this. It says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation, that means lifestyle, received by tradition from your fathers, what were we redeemed with? But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So we got to put on the price that was given for us. Put on the price that was given unto us. Now, he, he, his price was for everybody. When you got born again, you had not been born again. Could I have a better amen? Everybody, nobody was born, born again. Nobody was born saved. We all had a, had a life unto ourselves, and we then gave up that life and said, Lord Jesus, come in and rule my life, govern me, guard me, keep me. We all surrendered. And if you didn't surrender, then he's not Lord, then you're having a hard life. Only Jesus being Lord takes you out of a hard life. Hard life is just the world's life. Doesn't mean you're making little rocks out of big rocks. It just means that you don't have answers when troubles come and people bother you and when they accuse you and, and we fuss a lot. Sickness has got its way. Whatever the doctor says, that's what we have. And your money, it has its own way. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, it says, For ye are bought with a price. Point yourself with me and say, Hey, you, you're bought with a price. You're not your own. Give glorify God. Y'all are y'all getting weak. Glorified God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Do y'all believe what you say? Praise God. So let's turn to First Corinthians chapter three. The Lordship of Jesus. First Corinthians chapter three. Look in verse 3, look in verse 1, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 1. Now, Paul's talking to a church, the church at Corinth, which was a carnal church. They weren't spiritual. The church at Ephesus was spiritual. You, he could talk to them and, and talk to them in uh, challenging terms, and they got it. But the church at Corinth, <laughs> they, 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 were, they wanted to go their own ways. And so he said, I, brethren could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. So they weren't able to bear meat or the meat of the word. And then verse 3, For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife, and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Well, that's pretty. That's a pretty uh, strong indictment. You write a letter to someone and say, "Baby, baby, baby," and uh, he did. He wrote to him. He was straight up. He told the truth. In uh, verse in the New Living Tra Translation, it says, 
Aren't you living just like people in the world? That's an indictment. If you're living like you were living before you got saved, then he said you're living as, as uh, someone in the world. The Amplified says you're behaving yourselves after a human standard and like mere unchanged men. Don't do it. Don't do it. Be changed. Be different. Increase. Flourish. Abound. The Passion Translation, y'all know we like the Passion Translation, says you are living your lives centered on yourselves. Y'all know those people? We were ones. You are living your lives centered on yourselves, dominated by the mindset of the flesh and behaving like unbelievers. We're called to liberty. Look in chapter 7 right there. You're, you're almost there. Look in chapter 7, verse 23. Here again, Paul tells uh, the same thing. He was big on this, verse 23. Let's read it together. Ready, read. Ye are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. Now that word servants of men includes us. Don't be your own servant. Certainly don't come under the traditions of men, but don't even come under your own traditions, your own mindset, your own way of life. You know, um, have y'all ever met an old bachelor? I've, I've got some in my family, I've seen them. Doggone, you talk about somebody sitting their ways. You talk about it'd be hard to marry that old boy because, you know, he's... He's got his tracks across the floor, and, and we always walk in those tracks, and we always put our spoon this way, and we always, we always, we always, we always. Well, he's talking about that. He said, ye are bought with a price. Be not the servant of yourself or others. Be the servant. The implication is be the servant of Jesus, that he wants to be our master, and to do that, we have to surrender. We have to surrender. So we have choices. Every day I get up, every day you get up, and we have choices. There's not enough days. There's not enough energy. There's not enough emotional strength for us to do everything we can think of, not in that day. So automatically when we get up, we either have a spiritual thought. I think I'll get up and praise God. I think I'll get up and read the Word. I think I'll get up and pray. Or we have the other thoughts. I believe I'll turn over and go back to sleep. <laughs> or whatever. Well, we have those same choices in the kingdom, and uh, we can live our life independent of the kingdom and still be born again. Now, there's a great discrepancy in the church right there. They see somebody that's, uh, they got saved, but now they're, they're, they're backslid. They're doing a little this and doing a little that, and the church looks at them and says, well, you didn't ever get saved. Sure they did. When you got born again, you got born again. When your children were born, they were yours. Now, they may go off and, and, and pretend they're not yours, but they're always yours. They just might not own to, up to it. They might do things that you would never do in your family, might do things that you told them never do, but they're still yours. And we are no different than the fathers. Once you're born again, you're born again because it's not a decision he makes. Well, today you can't, you can't go to heaven, but yesterday you could. You need to straighten it up. When you're born into the kingdom, the Bible says you become a child of God, and he does not throw us away based on us throwing a temper tantrum or getting out of whack. 
And so you'll go to heaven. Even, even your kinfolks that are just acting terrible. Do y'all know about those kinfolks? I, I'll, lend, I'll lend you some of mine if you don't have any. Hallelujah. I got, I got a couple that I, I could loan out. Uh, and you go, well, what about you, Johnny? What are you living? You're drinking, you're smoking, you're carrying on, and whatever people do that cause sin. The truth is they'll go to heaven. You go, well, how can that be? Because they're children. Now, when they get to heaven, the difference between them and us is, is they'll have no reward. You're talking about the man that gets saved on his deathbed? He has nothing to give to God. So he, when he goes to heaven, he'll be at the back of the classroom. He'll be back there in kindergarten. Whereas you and I who have served God, hopefully you have, some dimension, some degree, the Lord's gonna, there's going to be a place of honor, a place of reward, a place of governing, because we know that after seven years of uh, after the tribulation, we're going to come back to earth. Hallelujah. So uh, it costs you to get back. It's cost me. The things that have hurt me the most in my own life are things that I disobeyed, not always arrogantly like Noah and said, I'm not going to Nineveh, but sometimes sins of omission, things that I, they're sins of commission where you just go do it. But they're sins of omission where you don't go do it. You don't go do what you should do. Y'all know about those? It's called lazy. It's called uh, independent. It's called rebellious. It's called a lot of things. But uh, so we have to compare our obedience, what we want or what we want to flow in in the kingdom. We have to pair that with making Jesus Lord. If we don't want him Lord. I don't I don't. You're not my boss. You can't tell me what to do. You know, that's a that's a three year old thing or six year old or. I met one that was 35 the other day that said, you're not my boss. You can't tell me what to do. I said, I don't want to be your boss. I'm barely getting me bossed. Hallelujah. <laughs> but we've, we've got to turn it over to Jesus because he said that we're bought with a price. And he has the right of possession. When you buy something, you have the right of possession. You can put it in your front yard, your backyard. You can put it in the attic. But it's yours and you have a right to it. And if you don't want to sell it, it'll sit up there 40 years. If you want to sell it, then you, you'll sell, you can sell it for 10 cents or for $1,000. It's yours, the right of possession. And God, Father, has the right of possession for us. So he says, you are bought with a price. What is the price? The blood of Jesus. The life of Jesus was given for me, for you, was it not? Amen. And so he says, I have the right of possession. I have the right to tell you how to live the best life that heaven has. But you can choose, just like our children did. Uh, well, I won't go into my kids, but y'all y'all know what it is. It's like you tell them to do this, and you come back in an hour, and it's, it, you know the story. Hallelujah. And then you go, well, okay, you can't be my son anymore. That's not ever going to happen. You're just going to bust them and talk to them and threaten them and whatever you do and, and see if you can move them into the right place. Turn with me to Luke chapter 14, if you would. Luke chapter 14. Let's get into the Gospels for a moment. Luke chapter 14, verse 28. Now, y'all holler a little bit. We holler in this church. If you get excited about the word, just go ahead and let it rip. <laughs> Amen. Verse 28. The Lord Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He said, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether they have sufficient 
whether he have sufficient to finish it. Lest, haply, or sadly, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. Let's see where we are here. Verse 33. So likewise, so likewise. That's where we point to ourselves in so likewise. It's a parable. It's a picture. It's a it's a something we can understand. So likewise, whosoever he of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Now, just amazed, just be amazed here. What if the Bible was true? What if this passage was true? What if, the, what if this scripture that the Lord Jesus wrote or spoke and they recorded, what if it was true? Let me read it again. So likewise, the same as the, as the king, the same as the, the builders. Likewise, whosoever he of you that forsaketh not all he hath, he cannot be my disciple. He says, salt is good, but if the salt hath lost its savor... Wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land, nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. So he's basically saying here, if you're not a disciple of the Lord Jesus, you're a disciple of the world. Doesn't mean you're going to hell. Doesn't mean the devil's got you. Doesn't mean anything. It just means you are, I am, a disciple of one or another. Everyone is under someone, something. There's no independence out there that says, well, I'm not under hell, but I'm not under heaven. I'm not, I'm not so-called a Christian, a saved, but I'm good enough where I don't go to hell. That's crazy. It's not Bible. It doesn't fit. We're either under one or under the other. But even when you're born again, we can, we can get a little ornery. I've been ornery before. Y'all ever been ornery? Or you just like, ah, I know I should, and I know I could, but I'm not doing that. And the Lord's not mad, but judgment is built into that. You know, I like, I'm, I'm not going to go to work. I'm going to steal this. It doesn't bother the Lord. The Lord is, he's a good father, but they will lock you up in the pokey. They will put you away. You will have a record. It, it will be hard. Sin has its own cost. For the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. Amen. So um, one version says of verse 34, why put it on the table? For it is useless, foolish. So it's talking about salt there. And in verse 35, men cast aside ordinary men. They're everywhere in common. So if we're not disciples of the Lord, Everyone is a disciple of the world. If you're not a disciple of the Lord, everyone is following the world. We listen to their music. We eat their foods. We drive in their cars. We go to their movies. We read their books. We work for them. We come under their rules and regulations. All of that's there. And we can, we can cope with all of that. We can dominate and live in all that. But not unless Jesus is Lord. That system will put you under 
It'll make you not under under, but it'll make you just like those things if you don't make Jesus Lord. And we're not talking about something here. It's a process and you get a certificate that says uh, Michael Billings made Jesus Lord on this. We're talking about an attitude, a perspective, a way of looking. So what does lordship look like? Listen to this. When you want what the Lord wants, for the same reason he wants it, and I'm willing to receive it exactly as he gives it. There's a passage in 1 Samuel that says, uh, uh, talks about uh, Saul, and it says that uh, the Lord came to him and said, I want you to go into this city, this enemy city, we don't want, and I want you to take everybody out. I want you to take the king out, the queen out, all the men and all the women. And, and we don't have time for context this morning, but that's, he didn't want that foreign, vile, uh, pagan, idolatrous nation to come in and mix with the family. Well, Saul didn't see it that way. He's like, God, they got lots of stuff here that we could use, and I could use these people in the field, and they could help us here. And he made a deal with himself, and he didn't kill them. He didn't take them out when he took the city. So the prophet Samuel came by, and he said, what is this bleeding of sheep that I hear? What are these lowing of oxen I hear? And Saul said, uh, said well, I needed them for the Lord. I'm the exception. I don't have to do the way God says. And the prophet said, uh, what did he say? Obedience, it came, <laughs> obedience is better than sacrifice. So Saul had sacrificed. He said, you know, I'm, I'm going to help the Lord out. I, I've been in trouble before, and it was always, I didn't open a liquor store. I didn't smoke something bad. I just didn't obey him. I just zigged when I should have zagged. Are y'all looking extra holy out there right now? <laughs> no, we all just made our own decision. And we always had a rationale for it. We always said, well, yeah, I see what the Lord means, but here's another way, and it'll be better and easier, and we'll have a good end. You got to, let me read it again. You got to want what the Lord wants for the same reason he wants it and be willing to receive it exactly as he gives it. So the Lord is wanting to build up Saul. He's wanting to make him the king, his king of all of Israel. But Saul had another plan. He didn't want to receive it that way. He had another plan, and the Bible says he lost everything. Y'all know about Saul losing everything. Luke chapter 18, you're right there. Slip over a little more. Look in chapter uh, 17. Are y'all getting this? Praise God. Jesus wants to be Lord. He wants to bless you. He wants to help you. He wants to answer the questions, solve the problems. He wants to get the glory for being a good uh, savior, a good master, but we have to cooperate. We have to say yes to him. That's the unknown. It's like, Lord, are you sure? I hate to give up my, my, uh, what's comfortable, what I'm used to, what's routine for me. I, I'm used to this, Lord. I'm used to keeping all my money. I'm used to, uh, doing it my way. I'm used to sleeping in on Sunday. I, Lord, I'm used to reading my novels or watching my movies and not doing it your way. Lord, are you sure? So it's, it's an acquiescence that you go towards more and more. You try the Lord, and you give more and more of his lot, your life to him. In Luke chapter uh, 18, verse 17, 
The word says, uh, verily, I say unto you, truly, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. What if that was true? Well, it is true. Uh, one version says, the message translation says, enter into, uh, shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child. It says, uh, in the simplicity of a child. No rationale, no, I got this figured out, nothing hard, complex, uh, a, little, a little walk around the end, just like, okay, mama said do it, here I go, I'm doing it. That's what he says, you can't enter into the kingdom. Now, it's not talking about heaven there, it's talking about the kingdom that's established for you and I on earth that we might have life and have it to the full. It's not talking about heaven. You can buck up and be all on self and be a, be a, a sure enough cow lick uh, in life all your life, but you're born again. You made that commitment to be a Jesus boy, a Jesus girl. That's where you're going. But you'll have nothing down here. It'll be a hard old thing. That'll be like we saw in Corinthians where he said, are you not like unbelievers? Are you not like mere men? Are you not like unchanged people? Uh, so, uh, verse tw- let's, let's keep going there. I got off a little bit, but I'll get right back on. Hallelujah. Where am I? Where are we? Verse 17. Excuse me. Okay. And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So he was a Jew. And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good, save one that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother. This is the Ten Commandments. It's five or six of them. And he said, all these have I kept from my youth up. So he's he's in, isn't he? Well, then the Lord, when the Lord heard these things, he said unto him, yet lackest thou one thing, yet lackest thou one thing. We can be 99.5% in. <laughs> believe in God, I believe Jesus, I believe, but not have him in your heart. Not, not taking him in, but know all about him. Lots of church people know all about him. They've listened to 17,000 sermons, and they've read through their Bible, but they've never made Jesus the cornerstone of their life. And that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about discipleship Christianity. He said, uh, yet lackest thou one thing. What was the one thing? Well, it's not this for everybody. He was speaking to this man in particular about his situation because the man said, what may I do to inherit eternal life? What can I do to get out of this kingdom into your kingdom? How can I make my life superior and and upgraded and, and better? He said, one thing thou lackest. How cool to have just one thing out of place. Now, you know, once you get the one thing thou lackest in place, then he can talk to you about meat, not milk, about the next thing. The the further you go with the Lord, the narrower it gets. Is that right? Things that you would never think about doing. Now he's talking to you about it. When you first and I got started, it's like, just don't do this and don't do that. You'd hear Holy Spirit say, don't do that. And you go, okay, okay. Well, now we wouldn't even think about doing that. That's so far back. We have grown up. (laughs) Grow up. Grow up. Grow up. 
You're going to heaven, but there's a growing up here on the earth. And so he said, uh, one thing thou lackest, where am I? Uh, yes, yet lackest thou one thing, sell all that thou hast and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Now that sounds hard, but the Bible says this man would know it because he'd kept the Ten Commandments, that if you, if you, the Bible says in Proverbs, if you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord, and he will repay. So this wasn't even a giving up. It was a sowing, a releasing your life to the Lordship of Jesus, of serving people without fear, that I got this. The Lord, I'm in his kingdom, and I got this. So the Lord didn't tell him, be poor. He said, make a transaction, give to the poor, and if you give to the poor, the Lord will lend. You lend to the Lord, and he will repay. We got to repay. We got to lend to the poor. Well, I mean, we got to give to the poor. It doesn't matter what you do in church, $10,000 a week or whatever, you know, people can do. But you go, you know, I, I hadn't got any use for y'all. If y'all straighten up, you poor people, if you do right, if you do like I did, if you'd go to school, if you'd comb your hair, if you'd take a bath, if you'd whatever. But I'm not, I'm not going to throw my money at that. And there, there's certainly a lot of rationale in that. But it's not Bible. He said we got to give to the poor. And the poor are poor because they're not right. If they were right, they wouldn't be poor. They'd have a job. They'd have a house. They'd have a car. They'd, they would, but they made wrong decisions. They made wrong choices. And they're poor. I would have more. You would have more if we had always made all the right choices and went the way the Lord said every time. We don't have what we should have or could have because we haven't always followed this perfectly. We hadn't always said yes to Holy Spirit down here and says, go this way. I'm over there. So we, we're not poor, however you describe that, but there's a lack in our life sometimes when we need to minister to something. So he said, uh, let's, let's get this going, verse 23. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw he was very sorrowful, he said, how hardly they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. That word uh, camel, I don't know why it's translated that way. If you look it up, the Greek word, it means rope, which makes a lot more sense than a camel going through the eye of a needle. Is, he says, if you can put a rope through the eye of a needle, well, then you, you got it. But otherwise, it's not going to happen. Amen. Uh, one thing thou lackest. Point yourself with me and say, hey, you. One thing thou lackest. It's different for everybody. And it, it'll be, you, if, you, if you get what he's sending you today, it's going to make you say, Lord, I even want more. You know, like the little joke we had, forgiving people. That's a key to the kingdom. You can't have all God's got in his kingdom if you are ornery and mean and don't forgive people. Or like I knew somebody that uh, his brother apologized to him, and the next day... He called him and said, are we good? He said, I don't think your apology was enough. I think it was a little light, a little not perfect. Well, the guy that, would have, that apologized was not, he was, he was a Christian, but he just, in other words, he said, I'm sorry. And he didn't accept it. 
Well, that older or that more mature Christian, one thing he lacketh, Because he was bought with a price just like the little brother. He was bought with a price. He wasn't his own either. So, one thing thou lackest. 1 Thessalonians 3.10. Don't go there. It says, uh, uh, well, I see, I got to go there. Uh, yeah. Night and day, pre praying exceeding that we might see your face, Paul said to the church at Thessalonica, night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now, I want to tell you, family, this morning, all of us, one thing thou lackest. It's arrogance. It's pride. It's willful to say, I am the perfect Christian. I am the perfect man of God. Uh, God. God doesn't have anything to say to me because I got it all, I do it all, I have it all. We all know that's crazy. One thing I lackest. You go, well, what if he fixes that? He will. He will fix everything that thou lackest on your way to growing up. But as soon as you get that out of the way and you get to feeling pretty good, yeah, this is pretty good. I, one thing I lackest and I did that one thing. And then the Lord said, let's look at something else. And we're glad to do it because what the one thing we lackest when we got it fixed, it put us over there. It strengthened us. It helped us. It was better for me that he talked to me. It would have been better for the rich young ruler if he had done what the Lord Jesus said. Because he would have given to the poor, he would have lended to the Lord, lent to the Lord, and he, God would repay. God's good. He's never told you to do anything that didn't have a payoff for you. A payoff for you. A payoff for me. Everything he tells us, just like our kids, we tell them to do things because it'll be good for them. It'll have a payoff for them. We don't tell them, I, I want you to go dig a hole and cover it up. Well, maybe my parents did. <laughs> oh, amen. So I believe, I believe this is how the kingdom works. Just judge this. That God has put somebody of equal anointing, equal uh, maturity in your life, every one of us. There's somebody he's put in our life to say one thing thou lackest. It's got to be a friend. You've got to speak the truth in love. You can't just say, I see something wrong with you, and I'm going to tell you what it is. We don't have a right until we've loved. But once you've, you're in a relationship with other Christians, and so we love them, and we unconditionally give ourselves to them, so that when there's one thing thou lackest in them, we can go to them and say, you know, the Lord showed me this, and I want to pray for you and help you. I want that for my life. Ah. You know, if you got spinach on your cheek right there and you're fixing to go into a big meeting, or spinach in your teeth, I should say, you want somebody to turn to you and say, you look bad. And you go, thank you, thank you. You ever been in this church and had your zipper down? <laughs> I have. <laughs> oh, my. Y'all may not have needed to know that, but I'm telling you, I, I've been everywhere you've been and maybe some places that you haven't. So uh, the Amplified says that uh, the Lord, now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, direct your way unto you. The Lord wants to guide our steps to him, and he does this by discipling one another. So he's going to send somebody in your life just like, listen, listen, listen. 
just like he sent you into somebody else's life. I've got somebody in my life that's of equal or greater anointing or whatever you call it, and I open my heart to him and say, you see it, you call it, because I don't want this millstone around my neck. Tell me what you sense, that I got bad doctrine, I got a bad approach, something that's not right. But he loves me. He, he, he gives himself to me, and that helps me. Helps me what? To grow, to be a disciple, to make Jesus Lord of my life. I don't want to be like I am. I want to be better than what I am. I want to have an increase in my heart than I am. I don't want to be like I was the day I got born again at eight years old in, at uh, South Oklahoma Baptist Church in Tampa, Florida. I, I don't want to be like that. I don't even want to be like I was 12 years ago or 10 years ago. I want to grow and be useful for the master's use. And so we have to let somebody into our life. But somebody needs to let you into their life. You got something for somebody. No matter who you are, you got more for somebody than they have. I said there's a somebody in your life that, had, that needs you. There's a somebody that's not as far along as you, and they don't want to go through all the trouble that you went through. You can guide them around and say, don't go that way. I went that way. Go this way. And that helps us all. Amen. Uh, but I want to ask you the question, what about this guy? I've lost my place here. Uh, Luke chapter 18. Here we are. What about this rich young ruler? Why, if he asked the question, in other words, the Lord Jesus just didn't come to him and say, hey, you over there in the corner, get up. I got to tell you something. You, you, one thing thou lackest, go and give to the poor. No, the rich young ruler, what? Came to him and said, master, how can I grow up? How can I have more? I got money everywhere. I got influence and power all over me, but it's not enough. How many of y'all know it's not enough? You, sometimes you have to have it all and realize it's not enough. But he, he said, I don't have enough. But he was, so he asked the question. So why didn't, uh, why did he reject the transaction, go and give to the poor? It's because he didn't receive it. It was unexpected. He thought, I'm good. The Lord's going to tell me, you're good. There ain't nothing you need to do. You are the, you are the man. Why, well, matter of fact, you might be me. You might be the Messiah. You might be Jesus. You might be the Christ. And the man, you, can you see how he may have been a little puffed up about the way he asked these questions? I've kept all these from my youth. I've done all this. I've done all that. And the Lord shot him down. He said, well, there's one thing thou lackest. And he went straight for his heart, the thing that was the hardest for him. Well, that's what he does to you and me. You may be a real big giver to the poor. He's not going to talk to you about that as being the one thing thou lackest, but there is one thing thou lackest. All over the house, there's one thing in your life. It doesn't have to be public, nobody has, but there is one thing thou lackest, and there will be until we're taken up or go to heaven another way. There is always going to be one thing because he wants us to move from where we are to perfection to mastery where it's not hard to give $20 to a, uh, someone that comes up and says, I don't have anywhere to stay tonight. I hadn't eaten in four days. And you want to give them $20, but you had not got it. He wants to perfect that, so you got it. Amen. Amen. Uh, 
the message translation says this. This was the last thing the, the official, the rich young ruler, expected to hear. He was very rich and became terribly sad. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and not about to let him go. Now, we could look at this guy and say, you, you dummy, you dummy. Well, why didn't you just give it up? But we all have things in our life that are just like that rich young ruler. His was money, but it could be a number of things that we just won't give it up. Because we don't want to be exposed. We don't want to act like, well, I need something. We all need something. Only Holy Ghost can tell you what you need. Sometimes you can analyze it and just say, I think this is it, and pray about it, but... Uh, Let's go to one more scripture. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5, and we'll, we'll wind this thing up. Talking about the Lordship of Jesus, Galatians chapter 5. Lordship of Jesus. I want him to be Lord. I said, I want him to be Lord. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Say it with me. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. It's not a place that you reach and you go, whoa, yay, now, now I've reached there, I can just sit back and I don't have to do nothing for God anymore. No, it's a progression. He's Lord of my life today, even though one thing I lackest, and I'll yield to him, and tomorrow he'll be the Lord of my life. I'm going up, not down. Y'all know what backslide means. It says in Galatians chapter 5, look in verse 5. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Faith works by love. Faith works by love. It does not work without love. It is not independent or arbitrary. It works by love. And then he says, verse 7, <laughs> Wow, this church at Galatia. Ye did run well, did run well. Ye did, church at Galatia, ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? I think everybody in here and in broadcast all over the world could say, I've run at the time, I've been at the time in my life when I was hotter than I am now. I was hungrier than I am now. I was on the go, I was in pursuit more than I am now. Because life, it's not all straight up. There's, there's some, you've seen graphs, and they dip out, and you kind of get to the end of yourself. And then all of a sudden, revival hits in your heart, and you go, I want Jesus, and I want the things of God, and you take off. He's telling them, he said, thou did run well. You did do well. I have it in the books. Historically, I, I saw it. I heard about it. I experienced the Galatian church doing well. He said, but who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? The truth is what makes Jesus the Lord of your life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he is truth. So if you say you love Jesus, but you don't love this, then you're schizo. You're thinking, I'm seeing double. I, I don't like the left one, but I like the, I like, like the right one. It's all the same. The, this is the word. This is truth. This is the same as Jesus. 
So we have to be a lover of truth if we want to be a lover of Jesus. If we want to grow up, if we want to make him the Lord of our life, you got to love truth. Well, I like Jesus, but I don't like the Bible. Go to the back of the line. Wrong answer. I don't like some things it says. We like everything he says. Our flesh doesn't, but down inside, the spirit man, the mind of Christ, we like, we like truth. Truth is our friend. Truth puts us over. Truth hides us. Truth protects us. Truth funds us. Truth heals us. Truth does everything Jesus does because Jesus is truth. So we love this because we love him. And we make this Lord, in, in a kind of funny way, we make this Lord as we're making Jesus Lord. I want Jesus to be Lord, but I don't want the Bible. It's impossible. It cannot be done. It's, it's contrary. Amen. So everybody has a deal in their life, I do, you do, we do, that's hindering us, that's keeping us from running, that's keeping us from being in hot pursuit. And you've got to ask the question of yourself. And this is, this is where I'm going this morning. You've got to ask the question, Michael, what is the one thing thou lackest? What is what he says there in Galatians? What hindered you that you should not obey the truth? Which is sin. It's just sin. He who knows to do good does it not. For him it's sin. What is it you've got to ask? If you don't ask, you won't ever know. Do you want to know? Well, not unless you want to make Jesus Lord. When you make Jesus Lord, you, got, you say, Lord, I want to know the truth. When I grew up in the Baptist church, they, they gave me some doctrine about healing and about being spirit-filled. And it's like, but it didn't mash with the word. They were telling me this, but it wasn't in the word. It was like, but what about this? What about that? What about these things? Well, healing passed away. Well, gosh, then what about, what about, when I've asked God to heal me, and he did. And there was no way that a doctor or medicine could take credit for it. I had a controversy in my heart. I had a discrepancy that was over me. And I had to, I say, well, I can love tradition, or I can love truth. And it was a tough old breakaway. It was a tough old decision. But I did it. Now, I'm not advocating you leave anything or do anything. I'm just saying, love this, love the truth, and he'll lead you with what to do. Stay, go, or be indifferent. He'll, he'll, if you love the truth, the truth will tell you what to do and how to live your life. Bonafide guaranteed. This is certified, get your life better. It'll do it. But you got to read it right. You can't read it with like, God's mad at me and God's going to do me wrong. I could go and go about that. Y'all know that's true. So we got to get out of things that are not in the Bible. One thing that's not in the Bible is I'm a worm. I'm unworthy. I'm, we, I'm a sinner. Listen, I was a sinner, but I got born again, and I'm not a sinner anymore. Doesn't mean I don't sin, but I'm not a sinner. When something is something, it can't help but do something because that's its nature. So when you're a sinner, all you can do is sin. But I'm not a sinner. I got born again. So I'm not... But you can't receive anything from God. So people say, well, uh, it's just the grace of God. Well, the grace of God is on you. The grace of God is here. The grace of God, it's in here. You have, I have the grace of God. We're not asking him for it. It wouldn't be grace. 
It'd be a payment for goods received. He ca it came in the born-again package. It came when Jesus came into your heart. All grace abounds towards you. Great grace abounds towards you. So uh, most Christians, let me just say this, and I'll try to quit. Most Christians feel disqualified because they've got sin in their life that they did, they've repented of, they've confessed it and got it out, but condemnation came back in them and said, well, you, you, you act like you're spiritual, but, but you know what you did. And there's no, you know, the devil's never going to tell you, but you confessed it out and he forgave you and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Do y'all know that? Are y'all here? So we, if we're going to love truth, we got to get some things about truth in us. The Bible says, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that we have been made the righteousness of God in him. What does that mean? It means you're not a sinner anymore. There's sinners and then there's the righteous. The righteous are doing righteous things, but not all the time. Just like the sinners sometimes do good things. Sinners are sinners, but sometimes they do great things, better than Christians, I might add. I've been around some that just laid Christians to the, the, laid them in the shade, but they were still sinners. Amen. Sometimes we say the word's too hard, it's unfair, it's not, it's, it's old, it doesn't apply to me, it doesn't apply to you, and uh, you got to be super spiritual to get the word in to have the word applied. It's just not true. It's for the whosoever. It'd feed Billy Graham. He, he was around a long time. It'll feed someone that got saved yesterday. It'll feed us. It'll direct us. It'll challenge us. It'll change us. It'll transform us. So that's what I'm doing right now. I have been for years making Jesus Lord. It's a process. It's not just a click over like a finish line where, whew, I made it. Now Jesus is Lord. He said there, he said, uh, uh, ye did run well, who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? So you could be doing well last year, but then have a little dip and need to pursue him in another year. I got five things here that, uh, that you, can, you and I can make a move towards God. There's a gazillion of them, but one of them that keeps us from being on fire for God, I already said it, is unconfessed or, or condemned sin. 1 John 1, 9 is God's bar of soap. It says in 1 John 1, 9, if thou confess thy sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you. And look, 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 and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What if that was true? Number two, word time. If you want to make Jesus Lord, you got to make this a part of your life. Gotta, like, I don't want to. I, be, I want him to be Lord without that. Can't happen. Uh, relationships. I find that a lot of Christians, they're so spiritual, they're, and they're crossways with somebody, and they're waiting for the other person, who might not even be a Christian. They're waiting on them to mend it, to make the move. Well, he knows he did wrong to me, and when he comes, I'm willing to forgive him. Well, that's real big Ike of you. You know, if they come and confess, like I told you a while ago, I, I knew two brothers that one of them did confess to the other, and he wouldn't accept it. Do you know that's hard on a baby Christian 
to have someone that's so-called a spiritual Christian judge your repentance your, your, and say, didn't quite measure. I think about all the times that I've been to the Lord when I was a baby, and I repented in a kind of a baby way. And the Lord, he never said, you know, that, that wasn't getting it. That, you try, try it again. Do better. Number three is, uh, excuse me, number four, works. We could sink, we could be hindered by thinking, you know, I've done enough to qualify. I believe I'll just pass on doing any more. I, I heard the story, and I take this into the jails, about uh, two people. One of them was a grandmother. She loved her babies. She loved her grandchildren, and she was in a church, and she was there all the time. She worked in the church. She, she just was a good, good member. But for some reason, somehow, she'd been in that church all those years and never made Jesus the Lord of her life. I know you may think that's not possible, but I was in a convention one time at... Uh, well, I can't think of it now. But anyway, there was a great big meeting. It was a huge meeting. It had 1,500 people in it. And, the, and, and, a, and a deacon that had been in church 40 years got up and went down and got saved. You go, that can't be. Sure it can, because religion is everywhere. So uh, you might say, I've done enough to qualify. The story is this, that uh, a condemned murderer... A vicious, vicious man was on death row. He was bad. Everybody wanted to see him go down. And then you have the grandmother, that man, she was the cat's meow. On the way down to the death chamber, this vile human being got ministered to by a minister, and he gave his heart to Jesus. Now, he had no works. He had nothing. He had nothing in his life to give to God except his heart. So when I'm in jail, I ask the, Christian, the, the fellows there, I say, who went to heaven? And they say, Grandma, this guy deserves to go to hell. This guy is vile. He's weak. That's what hell was made for. But this girl didn't get born again. Well, it doesn't matter. She's close enough. She was there. She gave. She served. She's close enough. But I'm telling you, the kingdom's all about Jesus. What did you do with Jesus? Everything in your life, it's not works. There's plenty of those. The whole kingdom, oh, family, believe me when I say this. The whole kingdom, everything in the kingdom is based on what we do with Jesus. In the kingdom right now and in America, we're singing less and less about the name of Jesus. It's very challenging to find a service where they talk about the blood of Jesus. The virgin birth at Christmas is kind of walked over, and Santa Claus comes in. These are vital elements to our faith. And it keeps us, it keeps us hot. So, actually, the murderer went to heaven, and the little old grandma went to hell. Now, I was actually in jail cell. I've told you all this. I was actually in the cell. And the guards had told me, never let them get between you and the door. And they, they stood up. I said, convicted murder went to heaven, and grandma went to hell. And they actually stood up from their chairs and started moving towards me. They so didn't want that to be true. They so rejected that. So you know there's a lot of people, other people that do. And you know Zig Ziglar, he's gone now. 
But Zig said, the way up is down. Jesus said, if thou will be great in the kingdom, thou will be the servant of all. We all got a, maybe one thing thou lackest is you're just used to being served. Oh, thank you, Garland. Praise God. Amen. Jesus is Lord. I said Jesus is Lord. Doesn't mean you've walked it all out. It doesn't mean he's actually got the dominion and the jurisdiction in every area of your life. We're all pressing towards the mark of the high calling. We're all pressing. We're all in pursuit. And uh, Paul said, I hadn't got there, but I'm in pursuit. I'm in pursuit of the lordship of Jesus. So Jesus is Lord. Until he shows me one thing thou lackest tomorrow, I'm good. I'm as good as I can be today because I've fixed every one thing that I lackest. Amen. Well, if we didn't take an offering this morning, I guess the joke put me over. <laughs> so I want to thank our, our uh, broadcast audience for being tuned in with us this morning. Let's just wait a second and see what Holy Ghost is saying. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, there's someone somewhere, this is word of knowledge, that is, uh, that's in line for an inheritance. And you're not, you've got your eye on this inheritance, and it's going to put you under. Now, let me just tell you what the Holy Ghost is saying. Don't do it. Put your eye on Jesus and wait. The Lord is your reward, not an inheritance. Amen? And then there's another one. Someone has had a hard bite. I don't know if it'd be a spider, but it's on your backside. And it's a boil, and it hurts, and the doctor just says, you're just going to have to walk it out. In the name of Jesus, I speak to that boil, and I tell it to release its pain and its assignment against you. And I tell you, person that's got this boil, be healed and be made whole in Jesus' name. If you'll receive that, you'll find that thing will disappear, and you're going to be pain-free in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Thank you for tuning in to us today. We appreciate you. Amen.